the bottom line. On News Radio 610, KONA, from the Tri Cities to Olivia to DC, we break down. Break it all down. The stories of the day and the people making the news. And that's the bottom line. Time to get the bottom line. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser. With your hosts, Rob Francis and Ed Dawson. Welcome back to the bottom line. News Radio 610 KONA. This is Monday afternoon, 547-1610 if you want to get involved. Also via email, 610KONA.com. Bottom line page, your name, where you're listening, what you'd like to say, and on Twitter, bottom line 610. So <clears throat> we've we've heard a lot from governors around the country, different ways, different capacities. Some have followed certain paths. Others have followed different paths. Uh, for example, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis was one of the last to put uh, any stay-at-home orders and one of the first to pull them. But Florida, because of tourists, have now closed the beaches again because the tourists are not following protocols. Right. And... It's a prime example, and it's happened in California, too. It's a prime example of what is going to happen. It just is plain and simple. When, when, when you open something like beaches, you're, you're not going to have people observe social distancing. It's just not going to happen. So you either open them and see what happens, or you keep them closed and... You know, follow that procedure. You're going to see it happen no matter what you open. You're going to see some people flock and other people not flock. And that's going to be a concern for, you know, I'm sure everyone. But the biggest concern that many of these states are facing is shortfalls, significant shortfalls. In fact, one of the reasons why Governor Newsom in California got a little more aggressive with his reopening plan is because of the shortfall that California is facing. And California is a state that has an income tax. So they're facing significant shortfalls. The Western States Pact, which we we know is California, Washington, Oregon, Colorado, and Nevada. All of those states with Democrat governors have now decided to send a letter to Congress asking for even more money. They're asking for a trillion dollars in aid to all of those states to help deal with the financial effects of the coronavirus pandemic. Not each state, is no, it? all of them. Collectively, of them. yeah, Collectively. right, right. Collectively. One trillion, so $200 billion basically per state okay. is, is what they're asking. All right. Okay. Now, these are states that have put in restrictions that have helped create this crisis. Some of the most onerous in our state. So now they are asking to be bailed out by the same federal government that in the cases of Washington, mainly, not so California a little bit, but Oregon, Colorado, and Nevada have been less critical of the federal government overall than Jay Inslee and Gavin Newsom. So we're going to bag on you. We're going to bash you. We're going to criticize you at every turn, mainly referring to Jay Inslee in this. But now we want you to give us money because the decisions we've made 
have led to these issues, and we want you to pay for it. Not only that, um, which is absolutely correct, let's be clear. President Trump, uh, for better or for worse, has left the states to their own devices. He has not mandated states do really anything. Mm -hmm. Um, He's leaving it up to the, the individual states, again, for better or for worse. Not only have the governors of those states been highly critical of President Trump, as has most on the Democratic side, about Trump's handling of this, these same governors have taken the attitude that we are going to do things our way. And Trump says, fine, do things your way. States have rights. The feds are not going to intervene. But not only do they keep wanting things, you know, Jay Inslee wanted the the big uh, um, medical boat, medical ship to come to Seattle. It went further south into California. Um, you know, they want ventilators. Okay, so Trump gives them ventilators. Um, they've mobilized and given money and, and mobilization efforts to uh, mobile hospitals that weren't used, at least in Washington. Now, not only do these Democratic governors who berate Trump at every turn not only have their hands out for more money, but they are calling on the Trump administration to issue a nationwide testing plan. That's right. The same people who want to do things their way and Trump, an orange man bad are demanding that he come up with a nationwide testing plan. Nationwide testing plan, as in the states wouldn't have any say in the, in the testing plan. Am I am I off base here? Because I'm a little confused. Do the states want to be on their own? Look the the way this the way the United States was actually set up is what's going on right now. Is each state takes care of its own people. The federal government there is to supplement, not be the number one source, but supplement the efforts of the states and. That is where the money comes from that the the governors are asking for. Mm-hmm. And it also was where the ventilators came from. Look, we've tried, you know, we've we've gone out, out and got X amount of ventilators. We need more. Fed, federal government gave them more and they've given money and they want more money. But where I have a, a raised eyebrow is these same Democratic governors want a nationwide testing strategy. 547-1610-509-547-1610 if you'd like to join the conversation. But this is a request on top of $150 billion that has already been provided. Okay, $150 yeah. billion has already been provided. So this brings me back to data. And information. So far, California 
has paid out $13.1 billion in unemployment insurance claims. They've already gotten $150 billion. They want another $200 billion. Where is all that money going to go? Well, we've had generic statements like preserve core government services like public health, public safety, public education, and help get people back to work. We would come out of this crisis stronger and more resilient because the federal government's going to give you money not reviewing your decision-making process. And the thing is, county leaders, municipal leaders, they have to follow the lead of the governor. So it's not like they've made these decisions on their own. They haven't done anything stronger than what the governor has done to impact their economies. They have followed what they have been told they have to do by the state government. So now you're talking a combined $350 billion that they want from the federal government. California is a much more populous state than Washington, Oregon, Colorado, Nevada. $13.1 $13.1 billion in unemployment. You're telling me that the $150 billion that you received can't cover that and then some. And so we know that the unemployment numbers in Washington and Oregon haven't paid that much out. In fact, there are some people still having a hard time getting their unemployment in this state. <clears throat> so you're telling me $350 billion you need based on decisions you made to impact your economy the way it was. But it's the federal government's responsibility to bail you out if you've already gotten $150 billion to help in that process. And, a, and we're just talking – let me – before I get into California a little bit further, I want to I, I stand corrected. The, the five western state governors did not send a letter to Trump. No, they sent it to Congress. That's right. Yeah. Sent it to uh, – Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi, the 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 Senate and the House leadership, because they're the ones that can really appropriate the funding. So I want to make sure that that I'm clear on that. Um, Gavin Newsom, the California governor, said last week his state is projected to have a fifty four billion dollar shortfall, fifty four billion dollars, which is almost three and a half times their rainy day fund. So they're not even close to that now. But $150 billion is still almost three times that shortfall. That's right. And, you know, look, you can, you can, hindsight's twenty twenty. you can say, well, you know, because you shut everything down, of course, you're going to have a, a shortfall. Look, everybody, practically everybody across the state shut things down. And all those states that, are the bigger states are going to are going to have an issue? Um, Oregon is going to have an issue. They're going to have a budget shortfall. And correct me if I'm wrong. They have a state income tax, don't they? They're going to have they're part of their shortfall mm-hmm. is they're not going to be bringing in as much money in their income tax. Why? Because unemployment benefits are not taxed or not taxable. In the state income tax. Just federal. 547-1610. 509-547-1610. You can email us too by going to the website 610kona.com. Go to the bottom line page and send us your question or comment. 
to The Bottom Line with Robin Ed, presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser on News Radio 610 KONA. 547-1610 is the number, 509-547-1610. We have a caller patiently waiting on hold. Let's go there now. Hi, caller. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hello, it's Mary from Kennewick. Hi, Mary. How are you? Good. Two comments. One, California was flush enough to give all their illegals 500 apiece, so why would they need money? And Jay Inslee said that we have enough in our rainy day fund to tide us over. So I guess we don't, neither of those states needs money. Thanks. Yeah, you bet. Appreciate the call. 547-1610. In fact, uh, with California, uh, at at the beginning of the year, their budget projection showed them, um, I want to say, a few few, uh, billion ahead of the game, that they they were going to have a budget surplus in the state of California. And so not only were they did they go from that to way in the hole but yeah they they did they did those uh they they made those moves financially and you know was that part of it or or was it the pandemic alone let's go back to the phones you're up on the bottom line who's this where are you calling from uh, this is Mike from Kennewick hello Mike what's up well I had a couple things I don't know if I can relay them properly or not, but uh, as a conspiracy theory, so to speak, anytime uh, one party or another pushes something really hard, you know, like vote by mail only, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the deal with uh, the Democrats wanting to uh, have the, the federal government make a testing policy um, makes me nervous too because once then it gets amended and amended and amended and pretty soon it doesn't even resemble what it first started so there's that part okay the second the second was uh, this oh, I think we lost you you're breaking up a little bit try to give us a call back for that uh, second part uh, of your thought and yeah I mean it's um it's a catch twenty two. You wonder. You wonder what I guess the motivation is to want to have the uh, the national testing policy. Is it if it doesn't work, then it's another way to blame the administration? Um, I don't know. Let's go back to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from today? This is uh, Max calling from Kennewick. Hello, Max. Your discussion underlines the biggest uh, elephant in the room. I think Donald Trump has done a great job. The one area I haven't heard him talk much about is our national debt. The COVID virus, financial strain, and everything else just highlights all this. California, California's been spending money like a drunken sailor for decades, and they're inheriting the room. You guys had uh, some guy on here not too long ago talking about Washington State and how we had a Revenue surplus, and we should put it towards the uh, the debt that we owed. But no, the Democrats spent it on something. America somehow has got to come to terms with this. I mean, I have grandchildren. I don't want America to go bankrupt in uh, a decade or two because we just can't come to grips with this issue. You know, every politician gets elected has 
reasonable ideas, you know, infrastructure, whatever. We don't have any money. We keep running out and spending money. President Trump's writing checks for everybody. I get the idea. My sister's giving hers to charity. She said, I don't need this. And somewhere it's got to stop. So I just would be interested in your thoughts. Thank you. Appreciate it, Max. 547-1610 if you'd like to join the conversation. Yeah, I mean, that's... It is a bit of the elephant in the room, and uh, and and when the idea of the stimulus uh, payments first came up, uh, there were a handful of uh, conservatives in the Republican Party that kind of quietly said, "Well, yeah, but you know, do we have the money to pay for this?" Um, which which is interesting. You know, they they obviously didn't want to go against the president and you know, felt like with all the country is going through financially and emotionally, uh, it is a nice gesture for people to to get that um, money back, so to speak. It, it came from the national coffers. So it was our money to begin with. It was it was like a, a tax refund on steroids. If you want to look at it that way, we just hit run. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, so. But yeah, I, you know that money's got to come from somewhere, and Max is right. You know we've been we've been dealing with a, a deficit that continues to go up and up. Uh, I mean, and this is not a Trump thing. This is, I mean, this has been going on for decades and decades. I mean, every you know, ever since we got off the gold standard, <laughs> something like that. And it's funny you should mention that because there have been rumblings that. Uh, that the Trump administration is is looking at that return to the gold standard. And, um, you know, would that explain some of the moves that he's making? I don't know. But uh, but yeah, that that there is there could be something to that. I don't know, but I've heard rumblings about the gold standard and, and it returning. And uh, uh, yeah, we'd be in trouble if it did. Well, there's there's certainly a debate uh, for that. Uh, you know, is now the time to be talking about something like this when so many, so many, not only a huge national debt, but so many states, um, you know, being impacted financially with the pandemic. So I don't know. Five four seven one six ten is the number. Five zero nine five four seven one six ten. You can email us too by going to the website six ten k o n a dot com. Go to the bottom line page and send us your question or comment. You know, all the talk about the money is it seems to be and as Max alluded to a little bit earlier, but I want to take it in another direction. We've become numb to the numbers. Yeah, right. We have we have become absolutely numb to the to the numbers and the cost because it's not money we can fathom. We can't fathom that amount. We'll never see it. We can't fathom the government's operate with that kind of money and how easy it is to just ask for one trillion to be split five ways, let's ask for another two hundred billion on top of one hundred fifty billion. I mean, it's insane. Well, it's not like it's our money. Yeah, no, <laughs> not at all. It's not. It, that's that's not our budget or our business's budget or our family budget. It's the government, right? Five four seven one six ten. Got to take a time out. Back after this.
Make Your Peace. Call 509-547-1610. More of The Bottom Line, presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser on News Radio 610 KONA. 547-1610 is the number. 509-547-1610. You can email us, too, by going to the website, 610kona.com. Go to the bottom line page and send us your question or your comment. So Twitter has announced today that it is going to start a new program in which they will be labeling some tweets that they deem as being misinformation. And they're going to start by targeting tweets about the coronavirus pandemic. And specifically, the quote-unquote conspiracy theories that are spread on social media. Now, like anything, there's two, two sides to this argument. Number one, I think all of us would agree it would be nice if there was a lot less lying and misinformation on social media. That would be nice. But on the flip side is who gets to decide what is truth and what is fiction, or in this case, misinformation? Well, Twitter says they know how they're going to do this. They're going to uh, issue warnings, again, to some tweets that they deem as being misinformation. They'll put things on there like uh, maybe a link to get the real story or real facts about COVID-19 or have a statement that says that this tweet conflicts with guidance from public health experts. Um, Basically, it's a flag for misinformation. Now, as much as I would like there to be a majority of truth on social media. The whole point to social media is for people to congregate, to share ideas and theories and possibilities and all these different things in a public forum setting. Well, not everyone is going to agree on certain things, on most things, and there's going to be some crazy theories out there. What you deem as crazy or misinformation makes perfect sense to somebody else. So I have a real problem with this because I'm a, I'm a transparency guy. I, 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 would, I would rather, and this is me, I would rather have it the way it is where you have, yeah, it's kind of a free-for-all, but you get to go and decide for yourself what you think is really going on. It forces you, if you want the answer, to go looking for it with the ideas around it on both sides, no matter what it is. And I would rather come up with my own opinion than have Twitter tell me what my opinion should be or anybody, Facebook or really anybody. That's me, though. I know that there's plenty of people out there 
who would rather get rid of all the conspiracy theories, anything that goes against the grain, any thought that is not the uh, socially accepted norm or socially accepted idea should be gotten rid of. That would make things so much nicer and so much easier, right? Well, I guess my retort to that is how many things in our history, including recent history, have originally been posed and been called a crazy idea? And it couldn't possibly be true. And there's no way that that particular thing could work. And this is the accepted social norm. So anything different would be bad. How many times in history have discoveries been made, changes in policy for the better have been made because people challenged the normal, have challenged the social normal, the legal normal, whatever. I think this is a, I, I think this is a bad idea. Now, I'm not going to say Twitter can't do that because why? Twitter is a business. They can set up whatever things they want to. You can choose not to use Twitter if you disagree with this new policy. You have that right, just like they have the right to run their business the way they want to. Just because everybody, not everybody, but just because so many people like using their service doesn't mean they can't do things the way they want. It could be it could be financial suicide for them to do this. They could lose a lot of people or not. 547-1610-509-547-1610. This goes for Facebook or really anything uh, that any of these social tools that we use uh, nowadays, that if they want to set their parameters, then fine. And, you know, and if you want to argue, you want to argue First Amendment rights and all that stuff, fine, you can do that. But I'll, I'll counter it by saying you don't have to use Twitter to let your voice be heard. By, by doing this, by, by labeling some things as misinformation or conspiracy theories is not, in my view, a violation of the First Amendment. This is not the only method for you to voice your opinion and the way you feel about things. And if they want to do it, I think it's stupid and I think it's kind of a bad business model. But if they want to do it, fine. You're going to have a lot of people probably leaving Twitter and go finding something else. Let's go to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from today? Jeremy from Prosser. Hi, Jeremy. What's up? Have you and your wife ever wanted to, say, paint your daughter's bedroom? Sure. Your wife says, okay, I want to pick a gray. You go into Home Depot and there's like, I don't know, 100 different grays. So who's going to be the one to determine which color gray uh, that would be my wife. <laughs> I, I see where you're going with that. I, I do. It just it just don't make any sense to me. 
No, I, I hear you. I no, it, it doesn't me either. I appreciate the call. I, I'm not saying I'm not saying I think this is a great idea. I think it's a terrible idea. I think it's a terrible idea. I don't you know, but but before people start screaming that they don't have the right to do this, well, they kind of do. They're a business and you can choose to utilize their business or not. We've had that conversation multiple times regarding the social media, the way it is currently structured, yeah, and what they can and can't do. While it is a conduit for free speech, it is still a private business. And they are still, even though Facebook is publicly traded, um, and even though Twitter is publicly traded, they're on the stock market, they are still private entities. They are not operated by the government. They do not have regulation. They no tax do, dollars. No, no tax dollars, nothing like that. So there's nothing that stops them, even though you may say free speech, free speech. They can regulate who they want, how they want, when they want. Absolutely. Until somebody changes it. I, I, I Again, I think that it is not a good move. I think it's a, I, I think it's a bad move from a business standpoint to to do this and look if this was if this was the US government uh the state of Washington the state of Oregon doing this uh on on a tax funded public um platform different story different story altogether i don't like the fact that twitter is going to decide what's conspiracy theory and fake news and misinformation and what isn't. But they have the right to do so. Let's go to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Uh, yes. Hello, this is Carlos Morgan. Hello, Carlos. Yes, um, you kind of touched on it a little bit. Uh, fake news, I, I really think, I don't know when it started becoming all fake news, but I don't know what to watch anymore. You know, when I was in the Army uh, back in the 80s, four years, we had one channel, CNN. And when Bobby Batista said the wall was coming down, the wall came down. When she said we were bombing Libya, we were bombing Libya. It was, all, every, it was real news. I don't know where it turned fake. I don't know when or how. That's, that's what I got. Okay, appreciate the call, and thank you for your service. And, yeah, I mean, as as much maligned as CNN is right now, in the beginning— it was great. Oh, my gosh. Just what Carlos said. Um, any, I mean, they were the kings of breaking news, uh, whether it was domestic or, or around the world. You wanted to know what was going on real time or, or darn close to real time? CNN was it. And they did a really good job back when they, you know, reported and, and did things fairly. Appreciate the call. Five four seven one six ten. Back to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hi, this is Neil from Benton City. What's up, Neil? Hey, uh, so I understand what you're saying about uh, about everybody having their own opinion and not not uh, wanting to hamper anybody's you know different views on stuff. But I think right now is probably one, the wrong time to be having the argument because. There are a lot of people who, who will believe some really weird stuff out there regarding the coronavirus or anything else, but in particularly the coronavirus, and will, you know, subscribe to all kinds of weird 
different ideas, thinking that they're going to prevent themselves or 50 other people that they may infect from getting sick because of, of weird stuff they see on the Internet. Because there's groups of people like, like I'm, I'm assuming we're all around the same age, uh, who used to be able to, you know, figure they could get their news from somewhere and have it be reliable. Kids and, and younger people nowadays get get their information from places like Twitter, and, and if they got some really weird stuff on Twitter, they may believe it. So that's my thought. Thank you. Appreciate the call. Thank you. Five four seven one six ten is the number if you'd like to join the conversation. But the other part of the equation too is something that we talked about on Friday. Nobody is told to question anything anymore. No. Nobody is told to wonder if what they're being told is true. Because if you look at the presentations, and particularly with with the cable news channels, they don't tell you to question. They tell you this is what the truth is. This is what's right. This is what's accurate. We're not going to leave any flexibility in what we're sharing. We're going to tell you that this is the right information. And then go from there. So it's not the way it used to be where you were where things were reported. And then if you didn't believe it, you would go somewhere else. You were always being always being told to question, always being told. I mean, look, we go back to the 1960s when the statement was, don't believe anybody over 30. Yeah. Questioning has always been a part of what we do until the last couple of years. You're up on the bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA. Your name, where are you calling from? Jared on the road. What's on your mind, so, Jared? Uh. Twitter. Twitter is not allowed in China, correct? I don't know. Okay, well, I, I heard some information that Twitter and Facebook is somewhat banned from a lot of platforms in China. If Twitter was to confirm or conform to the whole China and disapproving of certain things, would China give them more leniency into China, because they didn't do it with Russia or any other thing that's gone on since they've happened. Just curious. Yeah, no, I mean, I know. How dare you ask a question, right? <laughs> Appreciate the call. You know, it could be. I, I wouldn't put anything past Jack, the uh, founder of Twitter. And look, Twitter's been maligned for, for a lot of things lately as a platform. I just think, and I get it, you know, in a perfect world, we would have more truth than fiction out there in our news sources. And like the other caller said, in a, in a different way, maybe this is the wrong time to be doing this, um, but that's what Twitter has announced. 5471610, back with more after this. The bottom line. The only place that cares what you think. Call in now. 509-547-1610. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser.
You can also email us by going to the website, 610kona.com. Go to the bottom line page. Send us your question or your comment. Final uh, couple minutes left in the program. Ed Dawson, Rob Francis, and you. 547-1610 if you'd like to call. Got an email from Dennis. You already looked at that one, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, I'm running around like crazy. It's been a crazy day. I'll tell yeah. you that right now. Yeah. It's been an absolutely crazy day with a lot of different stuff. But, uh, you know, when we come out of this, which we're going to, I think it's safe to say there's there's a lot of things that are that, that people are talking about. And I saw something interesting. Um, there may be some people out there that are familiar with this guy. His name's Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl was the drummer in Nirvana, and then after Nirvana was done, he went and formed a band called Foo Fighters. Yeah. Dave Grohl wrote an article about coming back to play live music after this is all said and done, mm. and talked about what kind of that communal thing feels like for the performer, for the people in attendance, and how important it, it is for us as people to be able to do these things. You know, that's just one example. But to be able to, you know, come together over common things and celebrate. Be, you know, in person-to-person contact, all those kind of things, which we're not doing to the extent that we normally do. When we come out of this, and we're back to going to games, and we're back to going to concerts, and we're back to going to theater, and we're back to going to parks to the extent that we were, and celebrations, and, you know, boat races, the fair, all these things that we are used to doing as a community. We're going to do them, and I honestly believe that we're going to do them the way we've done them before. Will we have this in the back of our mind? Well, sure, we will, because something else is going to come along. This isn't going to be the last one. I mean, we've had three pandemics that I can think of. This would be number four since 1968. So so this isn't going to be the last one. I hope that the path chosen with this one is going to be the last time this happens. Because what have we gained from this and 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 if some people want to say we have gained a significant more amount of life how can you say that for sure because you don't know what the alternative was there are countries that didn't do what we did and most people that have looked at the data haven't really noticed a dramatic difference in what their data states and what data states from countries that have done it and they've looked at per capitas and everything else, and they're like, well, you know, it just, it's not really nothing screaming at us here. But when we're done, which hopefully will be sooner than later, of course, hopefully it's not the middle of July. Hopefully it's more like June 1st. We can only hope. But once we get back to normal, which we will, We'll start to remember the things that we didn't have during this and maybe hope that the next course of action if something like this comes along again is different.